and I think there will be some time for some questions at, at the end as well. So um, we'll, we'll see how we go with time. Um, I don't know about you, but on social media, I've been getting a lot of those um, NHS ads about uh, getting healthy and getting active. Um, I don't know if Facebook has worked out something with their algorithm about me, um, but it's, uh, you know, it's got me thinking. Um, and not just about physical fitness, but also spiritual fitness as well. Um, how am I going uh, spiritually? You know, Paul says that, um, you know, physical uh, training is, is important, but, but training in godliness is even more important. How, how are we going in our faith? And it, it, it has been now almost a year uh, since we've been able to um, gather normally as a church. And I think that is for anyone undoubtedly going to have a spiritual impact. Um, it's going to have an impact on our faith. Um, and so I wanted us to think about, not just tonight, but as we go through this series, how we're going in our faith. Uh, over the next 10 weeks, we're going to be looking at the account of Abraham in the Bible. And, and amongst other things, this account is really all about faith. How are you going in your faith? Have you got a bit spiritually flabby uh, this past year and um, if you have how can you get moving uh, in your faith to, um, from now on so uh, two parts to this passage that I want us to think about the first is the promise that God gives Abraham and then the second is what we see about Abraham's faith and what we can learn uh, from that example so first of all let's have a look at the promise that God gives Abraham in um, those first three verses in chapter 12. Grab your Bibles um, and, and follow along because uh, it'll make it a lot, uh, a lot more helpful. Um, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, God, uh, Paul tells us that God announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. And he quotes from uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, that's a, a really interesting um, thought, isn't it? that God actually preached the gospel first to Abraham. Uh, and what Paul means by that is, is that God gave Abraham the same promise uh, that he gives us. God gave Abraham the gospel promise. So I want us to have a look at this, uh, these promises that God gave Abraham and understand how what, what these promises are is actually the gospel. Uh, God is preaching the gospel to Abraham in these first three verses. So let's have a look at them. What does God promise Abram? I should say Abram. By the way, the difference between Abram and Abraham is Abram means father. Abraham means father of many. It's kind of like daddy and big daddy. So um, that's just a helpful way to remember. What does God promise Abram? He's Abram at the moment. Well, first of all, he promises him a place. He tells Abram to leave his country and to go to the land that he will show him. Uh, and as you go through the story of the Old Testament, this comes to be known as the promised land. And this is God's place. Uh, this is the place where God dwells with his people, um, where, where they live under God's rule and where his people will be blessed. So when we think about God's place, we can start by thinking about the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was God's place where God's people lived. But after God's people, Adam and Eve, after they sinned, they were kicked out of God's place. But now God promises to Abraham, I'm going to bring you back into my place again. I'm going to bring you into this land, this promised land. Um, now, as we go on in the Bible, 
God's people are going to reject God again after they enter the land. And they're going to be kicked out of the land again in exile. And then God promises that one day he's going to bring them into his place again. And so all throughout the Old Testament, we get this idea of God's people living in God's place. And this is the promise that we've been given in Jesus. This is the the ultimate fulfillment of this promise. Uh, In John chapter 14, Jesus tells us that when he goes to the cross, he is going to prepare a place for us. And this is the message of the gospel, isn't it? That if we trust in Jesus, Jesus is going to take us to be with him in that place. And this is the promise of heaven. One day, Jesus is going to take us to be with him in God's place. And of course, when Jesus returns and recreates the world, new heavens and a new earth, that new heavens and new earth, that new creation is going to be God's place where we will live with him. And so do you see the, the promise to Abram is actually the promise to us. It's the promise of living in God's place. The gospel was announced to Abram. The second promise that Abram gets is the promise of people. Um, So we're told uh, that God promises Abram that one day through him is going to come a great nation. This will be a new people, a new community. And again, as we go through the story of the Old Testament, we come to see that this people that comes from Abram, uh, who's called Israel, they are the people of God. Uh, They are God's treasured possession. They are God's holy people. That is, they're set apart to live for God. They're meant to live under God's rule. They're meant to be obedient to God, to give glory to God. They are God's people. And, of course, this is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Who does Jesus say the true children of Abraham are? Well, the true children of Abraham, the true people of God, are those who have faith in him. You know that old kid song, Father Abraham. Um, Father Abraham had lots of kids. That's the version we sing. It's a bit updated. Father Abraham had lots of kids. Why? Well, because all those who trust in Jesus are children of Abram. They are part of the people of God. And so when we trust in Jesus, we become part of God's people. We're we're a new family, a new community, a new nation, a new creation. And we're meant to live differently now. We're meant to be God's holy people. We're to be a city on a hill, a nation of priests, a holy temple. And again, when Jesus returns in the new creation, who's going to live in the new creation? It's going to be God's people living in God's place under God's rule. And so, again, God is preaching the gospel to Abram as he gives him these promises. The third and final promise that we see here is the promise of blessing. God says that he's going to bless Abram, and he says that he's going to curse those who curse him and bless those who bless him, and that through him, all the nations will be blessed. Uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, they were cursed. And the whole earth was put under a curse. But now God promises to reverse that curse. He's going to bless Abram and his descendants. And in fact, through Abram, he's going to bless the whole world. And so what we get here in this promise is actually the first announcement of God's plan to save the world the world that's turned away from him, the world that's under a curse, he is going to bring blessing to. And this is what Paul's point is in Galatians chapter 3 that I was talking about at the start when Paul says that God announced the gospel to Abram beforehand. The point is, is that this blessing that was going to come to the world through Abram comes through Abraham's descendant. It comes through Christ. Because when we trust in Jesus, 
we receive forgiveness for our sins and the Holy Spirit. And that brings us back into a right relationship with God. And that means we're no longer under God's curse. Jesus becomes a curse for us so that we can be blessed by God now. Now, that doesn't mean that we never get sick or that millions of dollars can pour down from the heavens. No, it means that for now we share in every spiritual blessing that we have in Christ, along with suffering and persecution. But it does mean that when Jesus returns, we'll also share in all the blessings of the new creation. We have an inheritance to look forward to that will never spoil, perish, or fade. And so I hope you can see that this is the gospel that we see in, in, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. This is the gospel that was preached to you and to me. It's the gospel that's preached to Abraham as well. The question for us is then, how are we going to respond to the gospel? How are we going to respond to these gospel promises? And seeing how Abram responded is actually a really helpful way for us to see how we can be responding as well uh, to these gospel promises. So, so let, let me um, finish by taking us through how Abram responded. And I think there's a few things we can see. First of all, we, the first thing we learn about faith is that faith is believing in a promise that we don't yet see. So it's important to remember how far Abram's situation was uh, from the promise that he was given. He was, prom he was promised land, but he was a nomad. Uh, he was promised a great nation, but his wife was barren. Uh, he was promised blessing, but he was called on to leave all of his earthly security and blessing uh, that, that he had with his family. Uh, he was called to leave all of that and to go follow God. Um, God's promise to Abram was really hard to believe, wasn't it? And the same is true for us when it comes to believing the gospel promise, the same gospel promise. It's not easy to believe these promises because they're hard to see. We can't see them right now. So take, for example, place, the promise of place. It's hard to believe in heaven when we can't see it. It can be very hard for us to let go of this world for the promise of heaven. We cling to this world, don't we? We invest in it. We put our roots down in it. Why? Because it's hard to believe that there is a promised land waiting for us. And we can't see it any more than Abram could. It's hard to believe that we'll be a great nation, a great people. We don't appear very great uh, here at All Saints Little Shelford, our, our little group meeting here on a, at 6pm, just having a look at the gallery view now, sort of a handful of us. I mean, you're all wonderful people, no offence, but, you know, we don't look amazing do we as a people and that the, the temptation can be to join another group another people because of that because being part of God's people might mean we're sidelined or we're ridiculed um, and so the temptation would be rather than staying with God's people we want to fit in with another group um, to fit in with the group at uni or at school or to be just one of the guys at work or to be accepted by our family or our friends. And so the temptation is not to trust God's promise that we will be part of this great nation, this great people. And it can be hard to believe in blessing, especially when life gets bad. I mean, I, I feel like I don't need to talk about this much at the moment, is it? Uh, when when so, so many horrible and hard things are, are around us. Um, it can be hard to be like Job, uh, to lose everything on the earth and still say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
uh, or to say with the psalmist, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And we're called on to believe in the blessing, even though often we won't see it with our eyes. And so this is what faith is. Faith is believing in what we do not yet see. And that's exactly what the writer of the Hebrews says. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That was Abraham's faith. I mean, remember, think about it. Abram died before seeing any of these promises come true. I think that's really helpful for us to keep in mind. He had to die still trusting that what God said would happen would actually happen. And that's true for us as well. Uh, we're going to have to die, probably, unless Jesus returns. We're going to have to die before seeing the ultimate fulfillment of God's promises here and still trust God in that. So faith is believing in what we don't see, believing the promise, the word that hasn't yet happened completely. Second thing we see about faith, though, is that faith is answering the call to follow God. God commanded Abram. He called Abram to go, and Abram obeyed. And I think that's really important for us to understand. If Abram said, look, God, I, I totally believe you. I'm on board with these promises. I am, well, he wouldn't call himself a Christian, would he? But, you know, whatever he'd call himself, I, I, I believe in you. I believe in your promises. But then he still stayed in Haran. I think God would say, I don't think you actually do believe. Because if you believe my promise, then you would obey my call. Well, in the same way, Jesus calls us. He calls his disciples, follow me, and they drop their nets and they follow him. Now, for us, this doesn't mean relocating uh, geography. This doesn't mean relocating to a new place physically. It means relocating our hearts, relocating our hearts to God. It's what the Bible calls repentance. It is a whole life, 180 degree turn back to God. Uh, I've heard it sound, I think it's very helpful, trusting in Jesus is more like getting married than catching a cold. Uh, you know, so, sometimes you ask people if, if they believe in Jesus and they're a little unsure. Uh, and it's almost like catching a cold. You know, you wake up one morning, you've got a bit of a sniffle, a bit of a headache, and you wonder, oh, am I, am I catching a cold? That's not what trusting in Jesus looks like. That's not what faith looks like. Faith is more like getting married. No one wakes up one morning and says, I wonder if I'm married today. That's not how, well, at least hopefully that's not what happens. No, marriage is a conscious decision that you make, a promise that you make, a commitment that you make. You are saying, I will. And in the same way, faith, trusting in Jesus, is a conscious decision to follow him. If I ask you, do you believe in Jesus? You should be able to say as definitively as you can say if you're married or not. This is what Jesus calls repentance. It is a commitment to follow him. We are saying, you are now Lord of my life. I will answer your call. We drop our nets and we follow him. And so faith is not just believing in what we don't see. It is answering a call, answering the call of God to follow him. Okay, third thing that we see, faith is an ongoing relationship with God. Do, do you notice um, what Abram does as he moves through the land that God has promised? Uh, he keeps building altars. 
what's that about? Why do we hear about these altars? Um, back then, an altar was how you would commune with God. Uh, as Abram goes on his journey of faith, he is communing with God. He is in a relationship with the living God. Uh, this is where he would worship God, where he would pray to God, where he would hear from God, where he would sacrifice to God. And in the Old Testament, the altar would eventually be placed in the very heart of the temple. It was there that God met with his people. And so this is a picture of faith. It is communing with the living God. And the same is true for us, except, of course, Jesus is the true temple. He's the true sacrifice that takes away our sins. He's the one we come to to hear the words from God. He, it's in his name that we pray to God and bring our petitions to God. We meet with God when we come in his spirit, when we come in spirit and truth, when we come before him on our own, but particularly as a church. And so what that means is, is that faith is about communing with God as we go on this journey to the promised land. Uh, as we go through life, we build altars, not physical ones, but rather we continue to commune with God through our relationship with Jesus. We worship him. We give him all the honour. We listen to his word. We pray to him. We bring our praise and our petition to him and our thanksgiving and our confession to him. This is what faith looks like. But there's one more thing I want to say about faith, and that is that faith is imperfectly trusting in a trustworthy God. Uh, let me say that again. Faith is imperfectly trusting in a trustworthy God. I want to finish by talking about, not, not, not talking about Abraham's achievements in faith, but his failure. Because at the end of our passage, when Abraham enters Egypt, he struggles in his faith, doesn't he? He thinks, how is God going to look after me and my wife now that we're in this dangerous foreign land? They're likely going to take my wife and kill me. And so this is an example where Abram doubts God's promise and he takes matters into his own hands. I have to say, I am so thankful for these verses in the Bible because it helps me to see that I'm not the only one that struggles in trusting God's promises. Now, I think it's important to note, it's, it's not as though Abram has turned his back on God and given up on his faith. Uh, he's still following God here. Um, sometimes later on, we'll see, he, he actually sometimes thinks that he's helping God uh, when he struggles in his faith. He's, he's taking matters into his own hands to, to help God's promises come true. He still believes, he's still committed to God, but within that faith that he has, we see that he has constant setbacks. He has moments of doubt. He has failures along the way. Like Peter stepping out into the raging ocean with Jesus. You know, he sees the water, he becomes afraid, and he starts to sink. And that's us, isn't it? Um, we look at our financial situation, we become scared, and so we push God into the background and make work a bit more of our priority. Or we're scared that people around us won't like us, and so we act like them instead of Jesus. Or we're terrified of dying, and so we start to act selfishly, and we make life all about us and get, getting as many experiences as possible instead of a life in service to God. And so we struggle in our faith. We're like Peter when he cries out, Lord, save me. We're like the father whose boy has died, and he says, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And the wonderful encouragement 
that we see from Genesis 12 here is that whilst Abram struggles to trust God's promise, God doesn't struggle to keep his promise. Okay, let me say that again. Whilst Abram struggles to trust God's promise, God doesn't struggle to keep his promise. Abram is faithless, but God remains faithful. He keeps his promise. And that's actually what we see at the end of the passage. That was kind of funny, isn't it? Abram goes off to Egypt. Um, he, he, you know, he lies and says that his wife is his sister. And what happens? Well, he starts to be blessed. He starts to receive all of these things from Pharaoh. And Pharaoh starts to be cursed because he's actually doing something wrong to Abram. And this is God keeping his promise. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And I will bless you. And so we see that God's actually keeping his promise, even when we struggle to trust in his promise. Now, I think that is a really helpful thing for us to remember. While we struggle to trust in God's promise, God won't struggle to keep his promise. He will still take you home to heaven. He will still make you into one of his holy people. He will still bless you with an abundance and eternity in heaven. I think uh, the bridge analogy is helpful here. Imagine there are two bridges. I'll finish on this. There are two bridges. One is strong and sturdy. Uh, think of, you know, the Harbour Bridge in Sydney. Great, strong, beautiful bridge. Very strong bridge. The other is old and rickety. Now, what matters? What matters is not how impressive your faith is in the bridge. What matters is how impressive the bridge is to keep you up. You could have all the faith in the world, 100% faith in that rickety old bridge. And when you step on it, it cracks, it breaks, it falls, you die. But if you have just enough faith to step out onto that solid Sydney Harbour Bridge, you step out onto it, guess what? The bridge will hold you. Because what matters most is not how impressive your faith is, but who you put your faith in. You could have all the faith in the world in money or success or relationships, but I promise you, it will let you down. The ropes will snap, the bridge will break, you'll fall. But if you put your faith in Jesus, if you believe his promise and answer his call and enter into a relationship with him, even if your faith is weak and you struggle and you muck it up all the time like me and like Abraham, and like everyone else, if you put your faith in Jesus, he will never let you down. He will keep, your, he will keep his promise. Now, so let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you so much for the gospel promises we have. And we pray that you would help us to grow in our faith. Help us to believe even though we can't see these promises in their fulfillment. Help us to answer the call and to go when Jesus calls. Help us, Father, to continue to grow in our relationship with you and commune with you. And we thank you that even when we fail to do these things, you are still faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks very much, Tom. Um, we were thinking about doing a question time. I'm conscious people might not be immediately off the block with a question though. So um, slightly change up the order. I'm gonna suggest we pray first. Um, and I'm gonna give us um, six or seven minutes in uh, breakout groups um, to pray together. Um, it'd be good to 
pray in response uh, to to the sermon firstly um and then also probably at this time for healthcare workers especially those in our congregation and um for the vaccine rollouts uh, and also if there are particular prayer requests um do feel free to share those i pop us into um probably just two breakout groups um now 